Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Wineskins features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with thoughts on a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. It is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, we will enjoy an interview that I had with Dominican Father Albert Trudell. We will also look at the life and times of St. John Neumann, and we will hear a reflection on the readings for this feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That and more coming up on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Father Ed Brenz. Joining me again is Father Ed Brenz, who is the Director of Missions and Propagation of the Faith for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you, Father. You know, as we find ourselves on the precipice of a new year, a new year of grace, this past year has brought many blessings. And one of those blessings has been for Cafe Augustine. Talk about that blessing. Well, we started nine years ago, and our mission is to empower emerging adults towards success. And so that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But basically, we've got young folks who have grown up in the area under generational poverty, under perhaps family life that has had been battered by addiction by somebody in the family. Oftentimes, there's brushes with the law. And sometimes there's just plain, simply kids grow up on the couch watching their cell phones. And what we do is we invite them to dream. We want them to imagine what it is they want in life and then figure out how can they honestly and productively attain it themselves so that nobody can ever take it away from them. And if times change, they know how to go out and earn it again. A lot of times social skills need some assistance in their cases. A lot of times they have constrained thinking, thinking that, oh, a nice place to live or good health or those type of things, they're only for other people. And I've been told not to dream about those things in my life. And so what we do is a lot of our folks come in and they say it's the nicest place they've been in their lives where they're respected. Now, we don't take everybody. We take the ones who we believe we can help. And so there's a wide variety, and it becomes kind of like a community. It is a community. And we have wonderful supporters, and they come in and they buy our food products and that. So for eight years, we were on the south side in the public library, full-service cafe, and times are changing now since the pandemic. And so what we've done is we've relocated downtown to a spot that helps us reach a whole lot more of the folks that we need to. I get at least six applications a day from people wanting to work at Cafe Augustine, and we sell coffee and donuts at the bus station. Most folks don't know it, but there's over 8,000 embarks and disembarks every day in our backyard right there at the bus station. We're directly across the street. On one side, we have the jail. On the other side of the street, we have the Youngstown Symphony, and we have, you know, bank headquarters, the technology center with all the business incubators. And so we're like a bridge, and everybody likes coffee, everybody likes donuts, and that's where they rub their shoulders. And that's where people come in and they ask for help. Oftentimes, they have no place to live, and so we run a sober and strict living house with an evening curfew and drug testing so that we don't just take anybody. We want people that are working with our program to a better life. We've helped over 480 young people in the last nine years. We've got a wonderful board of directors. We've got good rapport with the community groups. 
And the main thing is improving lives. Just a quick little fact here. Whenever they leave our program, and young people are so pulled in many different directions that they always leave before we think they're, they should. We wish they'd stay a little longer and learn a little more. But they have to go out and test what they've learned. Mm-hmm. So they go out and do it. And no matter what circumstances they left under, they all know that they can come back in. I'll be sitting in the front corner, and I just motion to the chair. They sit down beside me, and I say, how you doing? Is anybody after you? Do you need any medical help? And after that, we get those essentials taken care of. You'd be surprised Mm -hmm. the condition some folks get into, even at their age. Then I say, what looks different to you now from before? And if they give me anything reasonably coherent... I say, well, go get an apron on. We're behind in our work. Mm -hmm. And we can do that. We know our people, and we kind of know what they need. And they come into the cafe for the socialization and for the sense of belonging. And they know they're not going to be judged. They also know that they get a second chance, a third chance. Sometimes it takes a fourth. Mm -hmm. I wonder how well I would have done if I had to grow up in a lot of those circumstances. Mm -hmm. We've been blessed in so many ways. A lot of these young people have not been. Well, Father Brenz, we've got one minute left of our time together. I was with your journey when you started having some inspiration through Cafe Reconcile out of New Orleans. You started Cafe Augustine, very prosperous at the Newport Library, and then moving downtown, and then, of course, opening the house on Glenwood. So you've grown. In 30 seconds, where are you going? I would like to be able to offer more job opportunities, not for their best and forever job, but so that they can build a resume and get a better job than I could ever give them. That's my success. If they can have a better life than I could provide, we want to equip them for that. I envision a central kitchen that supplies baked goods and other products to restaurants. And then that way, we can expand. People are always eating. There's always jobs. And it's not just service jobs. There's management, there's planning, there's all sorts of production, there's delivery, a lot of different fields people can work in. Whatever what they want to be able to do, a lot of times they need the social environment that's going to be supportive of clean living, of respect going both ways from the individual to the outside and vice versa. At the same time, give them a community so they can have a variety of friends. I tell our young people, if you want to know your future, take a look at who your friends are today that's your future. Father Ed Brenz, very involved with Cafe Augustine, located now in downtown Youngstown near the bus station. Thank you for your presence and for your support, but also for your perseverance for these young people that you have helped over these many years. And thank you for noticing. Appreciate your prayers. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. To tell us more about the life and times of St. John Neumann is Brother Dominic Calabro, He is from the Society of St. Paul in Canfield. Born on March 28th in the year 1811, in what is now the Czech Republic, John Neumann realized his long-cherished dream when he came to the United States and was ordained a priest in New York City. Four years later, in 1840, he joined the Redemptorist and labored in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, which were considered the American frontier. He was the first Redemptorist to make religious profession in the United States, and 12 years later was ordained a bishop at the age of 41. During his time as bishop in Philadelphia, he inaugurated the 40 Hours Devotion and composed two catechisms in German and the Bible history for use in the Catholic schools. 
Bishop Neumann had a special love for children, the religious sisters, and the immigrants. He is the first bishop from the United States to be canonized a saint. This was done by Pope Paul VI in 1977. The opening prayer of the Mass states that God called John Neumann to labor for the gospel among the people of the New World. He ministered not only to the numerous immigrants from Europe, but also to the native Indians in northern New York. His entire life as a priest and bishop was dedicated to the tireless service of others. It is likely that when he collapsed on a Philadelphia street and died before reaching the hospital, it was from sheer exhaustion. At one time, Bishop Neumann had offered to leave Philadelphia and be transferred to a different, newly erected diocese. In his letter to the Pope, he stated, if it should be displeasing to His Holiness to divide the diocese, I am indeed prepared either to remain in the same condition in which I am present, or if God so inspires His Holiness, to give the whole administration of the diocese to Most Reverend James Woods. I am equally prepared to resign from the episcopate and to go where I may more securely preparing myself for death and for the account which must be rendered to the divine justice. Indeed. St. John Neumann's ministry strengthened many others in the Christian faith, and through his prayers, may faith grow strong in our land. His feast day is celebrated on January 5th. For Wineskins, I'm Brother Dominic Calabro from the Society of St. Paul. With me now is Father Albert Trudell, who is a Dominican priest and chaplain at Walsh University. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much. I think for the folks that are with us and getting to know you for the first time, it might be helpful for them to know a little bit about yourself. So can you share something with us? I grew up in Canada in the city of Calgary. I moved to the States in 2006, joined the Dominican Friars at that time and then came to teach in a number of different places. I, I have a doctorate in English literature, so I taught at uh, Providence College briefly, and then at Aquinas College, which is run by the Nashville Dominican Sisters. Mm -hmm. And I also spent some time in our studentate in Washington, D.C., teaching there. Mm -hmm. So I have some experience of different kind of educational institutions. What drew you to the Dominicans? Was there something about their charism or something about St. Dominic or their lifestyle? What drew you to the Dominicans? All of the above, really. Mm. I have a kind of a peculiar vocation story since I was already in another religious order before mm. I transferred to the Dominicans. I was trying to figure out for myself what was missing in my religious mm. observance. I had a, a profound sense that I needed something more. Mm -hmm. And when I thought about the aspects of what I was looking for, I came to the determination that I really needed a greater liturgical observance mm. and a greater degree of fraternity and also a, a greater degree of contemplative life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I found all of those things in the Dominicans, along with, of course, Another great draw for me was the intellectual life mm -hmm. among the Dominicans. Mm -hmm. So I had read a biography of St. Dominic in the novitiate in the first order that I entered, mm -hmm. and I was profoundly struck by the character and the person mm -hmm. of St. Mm -hmm. Dominic. So it was really all of those things that you mentioned that drew me in. I'd like to talk a little bit about that sense of community, because I think that's one of the blessings of religious life, is that communal aspect. 
something that our diocesan church as a diocesan priest we don't have. You know, recently we had priest convocation, and it's probably the first time in a year that we've seen many of our priests, our brother priests. And so that sense of companionship, camaraderie, community is something that many of us envy in religious communities. How has that been a blessing for you? It's been a particular blessing for me because it keeps me faithful. My brothers, their words to me help to not only keep me faithful, but also help me to pursue excellence in the spiritual life as well. Mm-hmm. Just the, the kind of support that I have from the encouragement of my brothers there. Also, quite frankly, their fraternal correction <laughs> is also something which helps me to grow sure. as a person and as a religious. So the fraternity really helps in the sense of having a, a sense of solidarity with a group of other priests, a great sense of camaraderie, and a sense of real support. If the chips are down, I know that I can rely on my brothers in religion. The initials after your name, Father Albert, are OP, the Order of Preachers. Talk about that as a Dominican. St. Dominic founded the order to uh, preach against the Albigensian heresy, of course. But his focus was not just on naysaying the Albigensians, it was on preaching the gospel, preaching the truth. He thought if we were to preach the true doctrine, people would see the difference and would embrace the faith. Mm -hmm. That really attracted me about, the whole preaching aspect really attracted me. Being able to speak, to go out and preach the word, not just from pulpits, of course, but also from the front of a classroom, Mm -hmm. to preach in many different ways in media, you know, as well as in the classroom. So, And how do you celebrate that in your role now as a chaplain at Walsh University? How is that charism translated for you? It's translated, of course, in the most obvious place from the the pulpit of the chapel Mm -hmm. at Walsh our beautiful chapel there built in 2006. Mm -hmm. It's also translated into the many occasions I get asked to give talks Mm -hmm. or to address uh, a group. I am able to talk to the students in a a lot of different fora on the campus there. Also, of course, in the sacraments, there's frequent celebration of the Sacrament of Reconciliation on the campus before every Mass. That, too, gives me an opportunity to preach to souls. When you found yourself in this new role as a chaplain, what was it that drew you to the university life? You know, obviously, you're a scholar yourself, and you've been around universities and so forth, but what drew you to this particular university of Walsh? Is there something about its own charism that you've discovered in your work there and ministry there as well? Initially, I was drawn to Walsh simply because President Collins had sent a letter to the provincial, Mm -hmm. and this seemed to be an an opportune and providential Mm -hmm. place where I could exercise ministry. So Mm -hmm. that's where I first heard about it. But since arriving on the campus, I've really grown to love and appreciate the wonderful atmosphere and Catholic character of Walsh University. President Collins is so outgoing, just a a real wonderful president, present on the campus frequently. Mm -hmm. He's very concerned to develop the Catholic character, to continue to develop the Catholic Mm -hmm. character of the university. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a, a real ardor for the faith among the students and among the faculty. I see their great potential. It's not just Catholics. There are a lot of, of non-Catholics mm-hmm. on campus, 
but they all know that this is a Catholic university, and they've chosen Walsh for its Catholic character. That's kind of an exciting thing, a great Mm -hmm. moment of evangelization, to bring the truth to those who desire it, and also to present the truth of the Catholic faith. It holds great promise as an institution, I think. Well, Father Albert Trudell, Dominican priest and chaplain at Walsh University, thank you for spending some time with us today. We certainly wish you well as you continue to minister to the young people there in North Canton, Ohio, but also to exercise your charism as a Dominican and to celebrate that and accompany them with that charism. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, please visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Bishop Dave Bonner of the Diocese of Youngstown. Christmas is a blessed time to remember the miraculous gift of God's love in Jesus, the newborn King. We recall the angel's message announced over 2,000 years ago. Today, in the city of David is born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. As we celebrate his birth, may his gifts of love and peace be born again in our hearts and homes this Christmas season. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service. The Catholic Echo magazine is delivered free of charge to anyone who is registered at a parish in the Diocese of Youngstown but subscriptions are also available for non-parishioners. A subscription costs $40 per year, and you can buy one for yourself or gift a subscription to a loved one. Email catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org for more information. Our music today is provided by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir. It is from their CD called A Cradle in Bethlehem, Our Savior is Born.
On this, the Feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Father Jay Clark. He is Pastor Emeritus from St. Paul Church in North Canton. One might think that the family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph is too remote, too special, too holy to be an effective model for our everyday families. But just like your family and mine, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph enjoyed times of great joy, but they also suffered through terrible family hardships. The delight of a newborn baby was quickly accompanied by the fear that led them to flee to a foreign land. Let us pray that the faith and love shown by the Holy Family will sustain us and our families in both our joys and in our struggles. We Catholics celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family on the first Sunday after Christmas, just when some toys are already broken, candy sits in the clearance bins in our stores, and Valentine's decorations even begin to appear. As we get back to normal, the Church offers us the ideal of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the Holy Family, whose peaceful, loving life might seem further removed from us than we would want to admit. In spite of the holy card depictions, a very different picture emerges when we contemplate the stories the Church uses to frame this Feast of the Holy Family. Today, in year B, we hear that when the poor parents meet the saintly Simeon in the temple, Simeon predicted that the infant they bore would be a sign of contradiction and that Mary would live under the sword of sorrow. Obviously, Scripture depicts the Holy Family as knowing their share of hopes and joys, griefs and anxieties of the ordinary, and especially the afflicted people of their age. This story today in the Gospel underscores the importance of family and family circles, no matter how few or how many membership are in our families. Admittedly, family life in the 21st century is still evolving, so that nowadays family life not only refers to mother, father, children, but now also includes single-parent families blended families, adoptive and foster families, grandparents raising grandchildren, and people who are like family to us. No matter how few or how many persons make up your personal family circle, the principles, the values, the ties that bind you to one another remain constant. Family life continues to be the nesting ground of society wherein those who live and love one another discover who they are and what and who they are capable of becoming. Nowadays, family circles consist of people without whom we would never make it. By virtue of our Catholic faith today on Holy Family Sunday, we're reminded that we are privileged to be extended members of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the family whose union in love we remember and celebrate right here in the heart of the Christmas season. The first family of Christendom, even back then, there was a constant need for sacrifice, for mutual respect, and for a willingness to grant each other space to keep on growing. Mary sacrificed her reputation among her neighbors and risked divorce from her husband when she said yes to becoming the mother of the Son of God. Joseph sacrificed his reputation among his peers when he took the pregnant Mary as his wife. Joseph and Mary in the infant Jesus became refugees to Egypt, fleeing a massacre of the evil King Herod of the young babies. Jesus as a teenager was seeking his own space when he was left behind in the temple, causing Mary and Joseph, the parents, to think they had lost their teenage son. We would do Jesus, Mary, and Joseph a disservice if we just fantasized their lives into a fairy tale perfect story. They're called the Holy Family, not the Holy Family. No matter how many or few people make up your family circle today, family life never runs smoothly all the time, but family life still is God's plan for our world. On this Feast of the Holy Family, we ask Mary and Joseph and Jesus to make our families pleasing to God. We ask Mary and Joseph and Jesus to be the heart and the center of every home. 
Ask St. Joseph today to help you men and boys become more the kind of men and father figures the kind of husband and friend Joseph was. Ask Mary to help you women and girls become more the kind of woman and mother, wife and friend Mary was. Ask Jesus to help you to become the kind of son or daughter to your parents that he was to his. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us. For Wineskins, Father Jay Clark. The family is here to stay, not simply because God has decreed it, but because every one of us so desperately needs us. It is a vital part of our lives, and there is nothing in the whole world that can ever take its place. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. Our program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, thanking you for being with us today. And we of Wineskins want to express our prayers and blessings to all of you as you celebrate this new year of grace tomorrow. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I'd love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity. But for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today. Because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.